Today I'm talking to Peggy Stanton, author of The Order of Malta, Minutes with the Catechism, a pocket guide to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Peggy, it's great to be talking with you today. Thank you, Chris. Good to be talking with you. Now, first of all, a lot of people don't really know much of anything about the Order of Malta or what it means that you're a Dame of Malta. What does that mean? Well, it means that uh, I'm a member of the oldest lay religious order in the church. It goes back almost a thousand years. And uh, it was founded by Blessed Gerard in Jerusalem. You know, it began with uh, helping pilgrims who were mm-hmm. sick or injured and taking care of them. That's why we're called the uh, Knights and Dames Hospitallers. Okay. And the the Order of Malta continues to do that work to this day, right? Right. And then, well, now it's it's worldwide. It's mm-hmm. spread worldwide. And uh, we have roughly, and I give or take, you know, about 14,000 members um, internationally. Mm-hmm. And uh, our, our principal charism uh, is care of the sick and the poor, defense of the faith, faith and world peace. Okay. That goes really well with being a Marian helper with works of mercy. And, right. And dedication to that. And also sharing the faith. So it seems like that's sort of a natural evolution then to go from being a Dame of Malta to writing the minutes with a catechism. Tell me that story. How did that happen? Well, uh, when the catechism uh, came out in the 1990s, you know, John Paul, remember, sponsored that. Mm-hmm. Uh and um, I was very intrigued. Of course, I grew up on the Baltimore Catechism, but this catechism was so deep and so rich. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, we, we should have this right alongside our Bible. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I was on the um, communications committee for the, uh, when I was on the board of um, the Order of Malta <clears throat> in New York. And um, I agitated for us to do something with mm-hmm. the catechism. I started reading the catechism on my own. Every mm-hmm. day I would read. Um, I started at the beginning and started reading toward the end. And I found myself every day I was making a reflection, mm-hmm. not a reflection so much as really a summation, a compilation of the most important points of which which I had read about doctrine. Mm-hmm. And I, I enough was doing it every morning. I kind of like a, um, I was driven <laughs> by that holy wind. That, and I must say, I was kind of, you know, why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, you know, because I was used to writing always for some reason for a production. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, uh, at the end of, of a year of, of what we had been doing, something called the Malta Minute, which was little stories that were six seconds long were being aired on the radio. And I had been, as a former broadcaster, I'd been volunteering and doing my the voiceover. Mm-hmm. Well, the priest who was writing those stories uh, either lost interest or ran out of stories because he resigned from the post and um but malta was still interested in having a presence on the air Mm -hmm. and so they asked me what would 
what would you suggest? And I said, how about the catechism? Yeah. Um, and, and so they said, well, would you write them? Uh, and I said, well, as a matter of fact, by that time I had uh, about 150 mm-hmm. uh, so written. And we timed them out. Can you believe, Chris? They time out between 50 and 60 seconds without any planning on my part. That's great. So we had 150 to, to start with, and we wound up with about um, 264. Mm-hmm. And they still, they that was, I think the first broadcast was probably almost 10 years ago, and they're mm-hmm. still on the air on EWTN and Ave Maria Radio every day, several times a day, and because they have so many of them, they don't have to repeat them very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so reminds that's me. A, that's a long answer to a short question. Absolutely I'm no, sorry. but that that makes a lot of sense. That you would both be wanting to just bring this enormous book to a popular audience mm-hmm. in a way that was actually accessible, and mm-hmm. and that then there would be kind of the Holy Spirit boost along the way. Um, it's funny. Yeah, and, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, it reminds me of that saying about how do you eat an elephant? And the answer, of course, is one <laughs> bite at a time. <laughs> well said. That's good. Yeah, well, um, you know, it. Uh, the fact that the Holy Spirit seems to have been behind that was... Mm-hmm affirmed by I was extremely surprised mm-hmm. by the numbers of people uh, when I would travel in different parts of the country and even overseas people would come up to me and say um, are you the one who does the order of Malta minutes with the catechism and how much they liked it and it, yeah. it and I don't see that as any compliment to me I see it as a compliment to the catechism and that the yeah. hunger that people have to know exactly if they're catholic what they believe yeah. and why they believe it and um that's that was uh, the reason they were po- so popular and they're still around yeah, as, and they're still playing 10 years later well and let me ask you then i think a lot of people Practicing Catholics and former Catholics today have that sense that so many, so many Catholics have forgotten or never learned the basics of their faith. Do you know why that? Right. Do you have some sense of why that happened? Um, I I think one of the problems was that I, who sent my daughter to Catholic grade school and Catholic high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had this assumption if they were going to be with the nuns, yeah. that that's where they were going to get their teaching about the church. And I'm not sure, even though we were very much the, you know, practicing Catholic, or so we thought we were, really, mm-hmm. and we weren't as much as we thought we were, even if you are in the pew, as I said, in the, from the White House to the White Cross, you're in the pew, but not of it. Um, and so... Uh, Catholics parents themselves mm-hmm. uh, didn't always remember what they had learned in the Baltimore Catechism, and the, the Ca- Baltimore Catechism was very basic stuff. Mm-hmm. But but it wasn't the depth of what we have now. Yeah, 
And, um, and and I think that what I hear from the generation behind me and your generation is I hear that that catechism classes in many areas and places was kind of like a pablum. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was balloons and sticky gums and yeah. all kinds of things and trying to make it uh, the catechism entertaining. Well, mm-hmm. you can't do that. You don't entertain with it. You inform, but yeah. you hopefully inform. Um, I guess I wouldn't use the word entertaining way in a yeah in a way that's um, approachable, an engaging, engaging yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's an interesting balancing act of of both telling the truth, telling the whole truth, and telling nothing but the truth. But also do it in a way that people don't feel like they're being lectured or bored out of their mind. Right. I mean, right, right. Like you said, it's demanding. You know, I mean, any any yeah. subject is demanding if you're really going to learn it. But there's there's ways to do it that aren't you know just putting a wall in front of someone. And yeah, well, and what we tried to do with mm-hmm. the order of Malta minutes with the catechism um, when. Uh, Dr. Joe McAleer, your wonderful communications mm-hmm. director and my wonderful editor, yep. um, was was take these minutes and and put them in a book, and then at the top of the page, mm-hmm. we give the paragraphs. Uh, like for instance, uh, let's say a s- subject like what brings up uh, what makes up a valid marriage. That is covered in uh, paragraph 1625 to mm-hmm. 1628, which is a lot of ink. And um, so when you read the minute, the idea is when you read the minute, you've got the essentials, what you mm-hmm. absolutely need to know yeah. about this particular teaching. But for the, the in-depth treatment of why you need to follow this teaching, it's paragraph 1625 to 1628 mm-hmm. you can't remember all of that yeah. that's a lot of stuff for in, and then a, um, uh, for instance on the doctrine of marriage itself i counted up that i have 13 uh, probably this is the longest treatment of a doctrine in the book uh and i guess it <laughs> seeing what we're going through today it needs to be um there are 13 pages uh or 13 minutes 13 minutes Mm -hmm. uh different minutes on on marriage the sacrament of marriage Mm -hmm. and then i went into the real catechism itself and there are 13 pages Mm -hmm. so uh 13 little minutes and versus uh 13 pages uh, is the reason why we have this minutes with the catechism because mm-hmm. you can remember yeah. a page at a time. And I tell people, just read, take it and and read one page at a time. If you want mm-hmm. to extend it a little bit because it goes on about the same doctrine on a couple of pages, mm-hmm. do that. But but don't ever sit down and just read this book. Try yeah. to read it through. That's a mistake. Okay. This is is this is just a guy and i want you to go to the real catechism Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) not that what i have in here is false stuff but when i say the big catechism Mm -hmm. shall we say go to that and and enrich yourself 
Yeah. Yeah. So these are sort of floaties. These are the, the catechetical floaties so that you can swim in the bigger pool of the big catechism. That's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> well, uh, but it's it's um, it's something that you I call it uh, a, a text mm-hmm. size teaching. Yeah, because, you know, you can just like we're always sending texts to one another mm-hmm. instead of having these long phone conversations, we're putting the essentials in the text mm-hmm. um, that we need to get information on or give information on mm-hmm. and so that i i think i would call it but that's a that's a colorful way to put it chris <laughs> you're welcome what are some of the teachings of the church that surprised you as you did your research i don't know that i was surprised by mm-hmm. anything i i uh I was, I was, I think one of the most important teachings, as I said a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. uh, are the teachings on marriage mm-hmm. uh, and 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 why it, why we uh, say it's between a man and a woman, mm-hmm. and why we can't change it. For instance, it's beca- between a man and a woman because God said. I will make them male and female, mm-hmm. and and he said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. He didn't say it to Adam and Adam mm-hmm. and Eve and Eve. He said it to Adam and Eve, and that is the way only way mm-hmm. that marriage works. I mean mm-hmm. that, and because the purpose of marriage is the the number one is procreation of the universe of the of the humanity i should say uh and um mm-hmm. if 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 you didn't uh and it weren't a pleasurable uh occupation shall we, that maybe that's an awkward way to put it there would be no yeah. human race yeah the procreative um, and, and the unitive together and and, and exactly and the, the next thing is the unitive of mm-hmm. course to to uh, uh bond between the man and the woman mm-hmm. Oh, it uh, just—it's the only way you cannot, in a same-sex union, you cannot Mm -hmm. create a human, another human being. Now, um, you can have pleasure, but you cannot—you cannot do the major reason that God created. Yeah, uh, certainly, reproposing the Church's perennial teaching was a crucial contribution from the Big Catechism and. And I think certainly you're right that that will be of interest or I think inform a lot of people in a way that they would be surprised by. I think a lot of people don't really – well, a lot of people come from broken homes these days. Right. And a lot of people don't necessarily have a lived experience of a, a healthy, happy marriage from right. it, from their families. So that that certainly is an indispensable contribution. Um, yeah. Well, and I, I think that um, <clears throat> I think one thing you will hear people say if they want to have a same-sex union, and they say, uh, "I didn't make myself this way." Um, well, none of us made ourselves with any defects that we have, right? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, some some people have a bad temper, some people have a pro- proclivity to lying or whatever it is. God didn't make them that way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't think we can't blame it on God. And the other sec- part of it is uh, that um, it doesn't mean you have to live alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have someone you genuinely love. Mm-hmm. And you could live with them. What you cannot do is have sex. Uh, and and you and lots of people have been able to live together mm-hmm. without having sex and live very happily. But um, you know, they don't want. And today's secular world doesn't want you to know that. Yeah, it was it was interesting to me. I I think you might have met or interviewed Jennifer Fulweiler at some point. She no, the... I have not, as a matter of fact. Okay. Yeah, she was a, a Catholic convert from atheism. And, right. And one of the key turning points I remember in her memoir was when she first read the catechism. She was mm. talking about how extraordinary she found it as, because she, as she was reading it, she just had the experience of, the, yeah, this is human nature. Like They're mm. describing in a way that she hadn't seen anyone else do how how we are, who we are, you know how it all works together, how it should be, yeah. and how it is, and and that that right. was a huge contribution. She thought. Mm-hmm. The, on this particular doctrine that we're talking about, is that what you're saying? Among or among just many others, any, I think. everything. In- I think everything. I think it. I mean, certainly the the both the right use of passion and the sins of lust. But yeah, all of the different. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 healthy aspects of humanity and the broken aspects of humanity. She she right. just thought the teaching was incredibly illuminating, not easy, mm-hmm. um, and certainly no. not comfortable really for right. Right. heck for all of us, no matter what we struggle with, but um, but recognizably true or recognizably wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, as a matter of fact, though, we have to remember the fact that Scripture tells us God did not design it to be so difficult and mm-hmm. so challenging. When yeah. he, st- he designed the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve, it was going to be, a, it was paradise, yeah. indeed. Uh, it was we, humanity, who messed it up and yeah. brought on all the hardship that we're dealing with. Yeah, concupiscence sucks. <laughs> <laughs> You got it. <laughs> so following up on that then, what are, what are the teachings of the church that give you the most hope? Love, God's tremendous love for us, mm-hmm. that God would, I mean, it's just every time I pondered, it's inconceivable. Mm-hmm that God would atone for our sin against him. Mm-hmm. And it had to be that way because uh, the offense against a God who is yeah. all good, all knowing, uh, the creator of the universe, no human being yeah. could conceivably atone for that. It had to be God himself. Injustice, mm-hmm. it had to be. Uh, but but that God would step down uh, into 
the womb of a woman and then mm-hmm. adopt a human skin and live in poverty mm-hmm. uh, for 30 years. You have to, we have to remember that for 30 hidden years, mm-hmm. he lived on this earth, yeah. uh, lived in poverty, mm-hmm. uh, worked as a carpenter, uh, endured hard sweat and uh, cold air and so forth and so mm-hmm. on. Uh, that gives me great hope when I'm making errors myself, that yeah. God who, who went to all of that to save me, um, is not easily going to let me go. Even if, even yeah. if I'm determined to mess up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how should people, you've kind of talked about this, but so you've offered one way of using this book. You've talked about kind of a text at a time, a text a day. Mm-hmm. Um, what what other ways would there be to approach this book? Could you go in by topic, or if you're trying to do research, what? How would you how would you kind of see some of those connections between the doctrines? Um, well, there are a lot of ways you can go. You can go in and and if you want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I did, go right from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the way the book is structured. So if you start at the beginning and you go through and say, read one a day or two a day uh, and just keep going chronologically, you mm-hmm. will wound up of covering the entire catechism. Mm-hmm. But you also, if you have particular interests mm-hmm. in um a section of the catechism uh you we have four parts Mm -hmm. i mean the catechism has four parts and you can go in the first part to learn um you know what it is uh what is it that Mm -hmm. we believe and 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 so you get all the way back to the fourth section is on prayer which is a beautiful section now a uh or you can just go in. I have a particular topic I'm interested in. You can go in. It's all, it's, as Joe says, it's mm-hmm. the longest yeah. <laughs> uh, chapter index <laughs> he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but we list every uh, minute is like a chapter. So you've got uh, 264 headings. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do it that way. Yeah. Um, you and tonight, interestingly, you asked that question because um, a class in in our um, parish mm-hmm. is taking the book and is um, reading that. What they're going to do, as I understand the class, they are going to read the minute mm-hmm. on a the subject they're going to talk about that night they'll read it the minute and then they will go to the paragraphs we cite mm-hmm. and they will read those paragraphs and then they will go back and read the minute again so mm-hmm. that we can you know in cement it in the brain if possible but there are lots of and then i've been asked to do um a zoom presentation mm-hmm. on the on the uh, so there are a lot of different ways you can approach it. Yeah. Would you recommend it for Lent? I would. I would. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. I think it's a, because, again, you, uh, you particularly, please have the catechism right alongside it so mm-hmm. that you can, because in Lent we want to go deep. Uh, and, um, but, but the 
point of the minutes are, uh, I, I like the way they're doing this tonight. You read the cat, the minute first, and mm -hmm. then, then you go into a, a real substantive approach to it, and then you read the minute again. And that way, hopefully, you will have some kernels of, of uh, that you can, and hopefully they, they are essential kernels uh, yeah. about the teaching so that when you're next time you're asked, what does the church teach on confession or, mm -hmm. or uh, adultery or whatever, uh, you will be able to answer that question yeah. or you will at least be able to have reach for the, the minutes and, mm -hmm. and find it. Okay. All right. Now let me play devil's advocate for just a moment. Sure. <laughs> Isn't catechesis and evangelization the job of priests or religious? Should lay people be evangelizing or catechizing? Absolutely. Uh, all the apostles were not priests, were they? At the start, <laughs> they weren't when they when they started out. I guess I guess they all received holy orders at the, the Last Supper. Yeah, by the end, but uh, yeah. But uh, no, because. Uh, if we had to depend on uh, priests and nuns, we I'm afraid we wouldn't have much evangelizing done because we don't have an, simply have enough of mm -hmm. them. Granted, they are probably better than anything we could do, but not necessarily. Look mm -hmm. who we have. Uh, we have Scott Hahn, mm -hmm. you know, we have um, we have uh, John Bergsma. Have you mm -hmm. ever heard him? He's mm -hmm. wonderful a theologian. and. Uh, I, I, it was designed um, when our Lord said, you follow me. He yeah. didn't say it to everyone. And Mary Magdalene was not a nun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think this is, this is my, my repeated kind of frustration when I hear, uh, when I hear people talk about, or oh, a parish is closing or, or the diocese is consolidating or things like that. And, and people sound so helpless. And mm -hmm. I'm sitting there thinking, so what have you been doing to evangelize? Mm -hmm. What have you mm -hmm. been doing to defend the faith? What have you been doing to catechize in the area? Like, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. And there's right. things that we right. really can do to to help, um, mm -hmm. especially when so much of it is a numbers a matter of numbers to sustain parishes or, or kind of to keep it going for the next generation. Some highly competent lay people who just seem to kind of throw up their hands. Well, the biggest thing that uh, anybody, any lay person or any priest or any religious, as a mm -hmm. matter of fact, the biggest thing you can do to evangelize is be living the faith yourself. Yeah. You've got to be a living uh, example of evangelization, and then mm -hmm. you can talk it and teach it. Yeah, and to be well-informed, which is why books like this are so important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I hope so. <laughs> I think so. I I think especially one of the great things about, you know, writing for the church, working for the church is I don't I don't have to be particularly wise myself. The church has wisdom. You know, we <laughs> are the right. yeah. we're the recipients of this long and ancient tradition of exactly. saints and scholars and incredible teachers. Pope Benedict right. for Pete's sake. Oh, um, he's wonderful. Wonderful. And so clear, I, I uh, hear, I always say about him, I said, you know, any, any fool can mm -hmm. complicate an issue. Yeah. But it takes a genius 
to simplify a complicated issue. Yeah. And that's what Benedict could do. He could just take a deepest subject and somehow write with wonderful clarity about it. Yeah. C.S. Lewis as well talked about how he knew that if he couldn't make what he was writing about clear to, in his case, he, he would use his, his cab driver as his test audience. <laughs> yeah. But if he couldn't make it clear to his cab driver, he knew that he hadn't mastered it himself and also that he had to go back and revise his writing. <laughs> yeah, isn't that, that what a great way to what a great approach yeah well and i and i think it, it it's funny because on the one hand we do we are the cust the the stewards of mysteries you know the trinity mm -hmm. or the real presence right. in the eucharist or so many other things and on the other hand these are things that need to be able to be communicated mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so we can't just kind of throw up our hands and go oh, it's a mystery i can't possibly explain but also we can't ever claim, oh, we know all about it. We know everything about it. We understand it completely. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and I, <laughs> oddly enough, I have heard um, college kids who defending the fact that uh, they're no longer uh, practicing their faith. Mm -hmm. and, and you ask that question, do you really understand your faith? Yeah. Do you know? Oh, of course. I know everything. I know everything. I went to Catholic school. Oh, nonsense! Yeah, <laughs> you you don't you only know a kernel of it. Yeah, and uh, and that is you're right, Chris. There's such a richness mm -hmm. in our tradition and in the teachings we have that once people take the time yeah to go into, they are many are overwhelmed. That's the great thing about the catechism, is that. Uh, the paragraphs as you're reading, they they give a citation, a number, mm -hmm. uh, as to where they've gotten certain wonderful quotations, be it St. Uh, Augustine or the uh, mm -hmm. Confraternity of the Doctrine of the Faith, and it tells you where you can go specifically to, to read the actual document. So it makes it really very easy for you to, to find all this... Uh, uh, golden ore, so mm -hmm. to speak, and you can dig it up. <laughs> yeah, well, and and that's I think that's one of the great uh, gifts that we have to give to our our neighbors today, is mm -hmm. that we are the the inheritors of this incredible treasury. Yeah, um, and if we don't if we don't learn it, if we don't go digging into it, no one is going to. Um, no one else is going to know about it. Um, right. Right. Well, and I think, and we do have to um, to really dig into these doctrines. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, this latest doctrine, how do you pronounce it, fiducia, that's caused such a, an uproar. Mm -hmm. uh, people are just taking one-line sentences that mm -hmm. they hear on the news, on, on secular news of all things, mm -hmm. Um, instead of reading the actual document, because mm -hmm. the actual document says there is, we are not changing the doctrine of marriage. Mm -hmm. We cannot do that. We cannot change the teachings yeah. of Jesus. I mean, it's it's a very clear statement, uh, but most people haven't read that. Yeah. It's sort of an answer to the people who think that theology is boring, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> It's yeah. anything but when you get into it. 
What do you hope your readers get out of this book? I, I hope that they, um, it, it brings them to the full catechism. I hope that it gives them a much deeper, richer understanding of their faith and appreciation of their faith. Mm -hmm. uh, and I hope they will use it as a reminder tool of, of now, you know, when you're asking yourself, now, what, what did the catechism say about, um, yeah holy orders um and then you can you can uh, easily find it and then and what you find in the minutes will lead you to find in the full catechism if you're looking for it yeah so i i most i guess what i really really hope is that it will help to bring people to a great appreciation of our of the wonderful faith that our lord left us and i hope it will bring people um closer ultimately closer to mm -hmm. our lord himself because really the catechism in the end is really about him yeah yeah absolutely right? yep how has this book been received so far uh, well i've been very uh pleased at how how well it has been received and um people have told me uh, that they have it either on their nightstand or on their desk and read a page or two. And that's not everybody, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I'm happy, very happy that they're doing it that way. That's great. And it was, uh, it was, uh, I got word it's in eight, it's now going to be overseas in eight different countries. Great. I've had, um, thanks to, uh, Tad being in uh, at the Munich, I think it was the Munich Book Festival, mm -hmm. but it's places like uh, Malaysia and Pakistan and Singapore. Hmm. Uh, it's and very surprising to me. That'll be great. But uh, it will be published there. Well, and then, of course, in this country, it's perfectly timed for the Eucharistic revival that's going on right now. Yeah that the bishops right. are really uh, proceeding with. And, and then next year is a jubilee year again. So that'll be right. very timely. Right. Well, way in the back of the book, people don't realize, I, uh, as I was preparing to put this book together, I kept getting kind of an inspiration mm -hmm. that um, the Lord would like it illustrated. Hmm. And... Uh, I think that was hard, met with some resistance at Mary Press. Understandably, they didn't think the catechism needed any illustrations, but um, it, it really stuck with me, and I really thought I would be um, showing Christ in his, the, the thought was that, and the inspiration seemed to be, in the hidden years, mm -hmm. because the catechism says that Jesus was never not on his redemptive mission. Mm -hmm. He, though all those thirty quiet years, he was modeling the perfect life for his parents, for his peers, for um, contemporary uh, yeah. evangelists. Whatever he was, he was modeling the perfect life, mm -hmm. and um, and we don't concentrate on those years. Yeah. You know we. Um, 
and I thought I would be doing it in showing him in action, but when I sat down to do the um, illustrations, I found myself simply doing his face. Mm-hmm. So um, in the you see him as a baby Jesus, yep, um, teen child Jesus, teen Jesus, which mm-hmm. we hardly ever see. Um, Savior Jesus, and I added one for the because of the Eucharistic revival. It's mm-hmm. not in the book, but it's mm-hmm. the Eucharistic Jesus. Great, that's a great, a great thing of great uh, incentive to meditation upon the face of Christ and Christ at all of the ages. Peggy, it's been great talking to you today. Thank, Thank you so you much for it. joining us. Uh, Enjoyed it very much. I've been speaking to Peggy Stanton, author of the Order of Minute of Malta Minutes with the Catechism. To order the Order of Malta Minutes with the Catechism, a pocket guide to the Catechism of the Catholic Church by Peggy Stanton, please visit shopmercy.org. This has been Sparks of Mercy. Thanks for listening. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. Jesus, I trust in you. I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Thank you.